All right, Jeremiah chapter 23. Let's begin with verse 1. Woe to the shepherds who destroy and scatter the sheep of my pasture, says the Lord. Therefore, thus says the Lord God of Israel against the shepherds who feed my people. You have scattered my flock, driven them away, and not attended to them. Behold, I will attend to you for the evil of your doings, says the Lord. But I will gather the remnant of my flock out of all countries where I have driven them, and bring them back to their folds, and they shall be fruitful and increase. I will set up shepherds over them who will feed them, and they shall fear no more, nor be dismayed, nor shall they be lacking, says the Lord." Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, that I will raise to David a branch of righteousness. A king shall reign and prosper and execute judgment and righteousness in the earth. In his days Judah will be saved and Israel will dwell safely. Now this is his name by which he will be called. The Lord our righteousness. Therefore, behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, that they shall no longer say, as the Lord lives who brought up the children of Israel from the land of Egypt, but as the Lord lives who brought up and led the descendants of the house of Israel from the north country and from all the countries where I have driven them, and they shall dwell in their own land. Let's everybody say that. They shall dwell in their own land. Now, we're beginning a section of the daily Bible reading. I'm in the daily Bible reading this morning. So, we're reading through Jeremiah 24 to 30, but 23 is a good preface of that. And I just want to remind you that this is great information. This is great information. It doesn't start off very well when Jeremiah says, Woe to the shepherds who destroy and scatter the sheep of my pasture. Because we ask the question, who is he talking about? Who are the shepherds? We know in the Bible, shepherds are pastors, they're religious leaders, right? But we also know that shepherds are also leaders of, uh, of the government. We know that they're leaders of the country. And so we ask ourselves the question, who? And the shepherds are being compared to the Lord, who is the king. And I think the comparison is quite interesting here. On the one hand, we have, we have leaders, we have national leaders who are destroying the flock. On on another hand, we have the king who's going to change it all and is going to bring about a day when he will rule and reign forever. And we know that this isn't just the Babylonian return from the Babylonian captivity because Jesus hadn't come at that point. So this is great news. You and I should always look forward to these wonderful passages of Scripture that describe what the future is going to be about. And one of these days, God is going to reign and rule. Jesus is going to control everything from His capital city in Jerusalem. Amen? Or haven't you never heard that before? (laughs) Now... Don't try to make any parallels between this and what we're dealing with today. It's real easy for us to sit in our, and when we read Scripture to say, okay, I, I want to make a direct parallel. Um, we spent uh, a good time on the phone on Thursday with, um, with our insurance company because our insurance company has always taken the position that if you obey the law, then you're covered. 
and the insur our insurance company, of course, covers us for everything. So I called the insurance company and I said, hey, uh, with this new mandate we have in the state of Pennsylvania, what does that mean for churches? And they said, well, it doesn't mean anything different. Nothing's changed. Obviously, our insurance company wants us to worship together. Uh, but I was uh, directed to links uh, where uh, our government leaders have never, ever restricted, have never said that churches could not meet. Now, it's very important you understand this. And they didn't say we couldn't meet uh, with all of the restrictions that are in place. And as confusing as they are, they never said that we couldn't meet again this Sunday or last Sunday or next Sunday. In fact, uh, they gave me the links to a couple of uh, uh, press conferences where the, the uh, leaders said, we want churches to be able to meet. We just want churches to be able to meet safely. And so for a church, it's very important that you do whatever you can to be as safe as you can. Follow as many of the guidelines as you can in order to be safe. And, uh, and I'm only saying that to you because uh, um, here we are, we're in this predicament where because in the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania, uh, church attendance has never, never, we were never told to shut down, ever. And so we don't want to be in that rabble-rousing crowd that's just going to do whatever they want and don't care. We want to be as cooperative as we can. We're not on either extreme on this, but we want to be as cooperative as we can and as safe as we can. And so when Pennsylvania tells us to implement as many of the guidelines as you possibly can to be safe, um, and in effect saying we trust your judgment, then I don't know about you, but that's encouraging to me. That's encouraging to me. And all the states have not taken a position like the state of Pennsylvania has. And so uh, it's very, very important for us to, to recognize that fine line uh, that, that uh, separates us from uh, our responsibility to the Lord and our responsibility to those who lead us, right or wrong as they may be. Well, we're trying to be safe and cautious and, um, but the, it's, it's, it's hard. It's hard to invite everybody to come in and relax when all week long and all day long and, and you're bombarded with all this information out there and you don't know what to believe. You just don't know what to believe. So for the rest of this time that we have together, um, I want to suggest this to you, that there's too many voices out there for us to listen to. Too many. Now, we want all the information we can get, but I'm stopping there from a national perspective and moving it into what Jeremiah has to say about the spiritual leadership that's in conflict. There's spiritual leadership in conflict as well. There are too many voices out there. Who do you turn to? Who do you listen to? Well, I, this section is great in Jeremiah if you're doing the daily Bible reading because... After he deals with the shepherds, who would be our political leaders for the most part, includes our spiritual leaders, he now deals with the prophets. And in the rest of Jeremiah chapter 23, he deals with prophets. And I just want to go to verse 25 and just give you a summary of what he says next. In verse 25 he says, I have heard what the prophets have said who prophesy lies in my name, saying, I have dreamed, I have dreamed. 
How long will this be in the heart of the prophets who prophesy lies? Indeed, they are prophets of the deceit of their own heart, who try to make my people forget my name by their dreams, which everyone tells his neighbor as their fathers forgot my name for Baal. It's an interesting passage of Scripture, and it applies to every generation that has ever existed on the face of the earth. I wish I could say as a pastor, as a preacher of the gospel, I wish I could say that every time I step into the pulpit, there are hundreds of thousands of pastors stepping in the pulpit, and we're all going to say the same thing because we all believe the same book, we all have the same interpretation, we understand it the same way, but that's just not the case. That is not the case. And Jeremiah recognized that as a problem back in his day and age. I love what he says in verses 28 and 29. The prophet who has a dream, let him tell a dream. And he who has my word, let him speak my word faithfully. Okay, some of you are going to give your own thoughts about things. Some of you are going to give your own ideas about things. And some of you are going to have my word and you're going to speak my word faithfully. When I entered the ministry 42 years ago on the pulpit, I, I, I wrote this verse, let him speak my word faithfully, and I put it on a little, little thing, and I taped it to the, the, so every Sunday morning when I came in, I could read, let him who speak my word do it faithfully. Jeremiah said, what is the chaff to the wheat? What comparison does the chaff have to the wheat? There's a big difference between the chaff that is thrown away that is burnt up, and the wheat that's good. And then he says in verse 29, Is not my word like a fire, says the Lord, and like a hammer that breaks the rock in pieces? And if there's ever a day and age when we need to get back to sharing God's word and preaching God's word faithfully, instead of listening to all of the voices that are in many cases personal opinions about spiritual matters, this is the time to do it. Amen? It's the time to do it. It's the time to do it. God says in verse 30 through 36, He says, Therefore, behold, I am against the prophets, says the Lord, who steal my words, every one from his neighbor. I'd like to read that in a, in a, in a uh, paraphrase, a, a good paraphrase, I think, probably the best paraphrase that has ever been written on Scripture in Jeremiah chapter 23, verse 30. So listen to these next words in a paraphrase. Therefore, says the Lord, I stand against these prophets who get their messages from each other. These smooth-tongued prophets who say, this prophecy is from the Lord. Their imaginary dreams are flagrant lies that lead my people into sin. I did not send or appoint them, and they have no message at all for my people, says the Lord. Suppose one of the people or one of the prophets or priests asks you, what prophecy has the Lord burdened you with now? You must reply, you are the burden. The Lord says he will abandon you. If any prophet, priest, or anyone else says, I have a prophecy from the Lord, I will punish that person along with his entire family. You should keep asking each other, what is the Lord's answer? Or what is the Lord saying? But stop using this phrase, prophecy from the Lord, for people are using it to give authority to their own ideas, turning upside down the words of our God, the living God, the Lord Almighty. It's pretty good, isn't it? 
pretty good. What I like about the daily Bible reading is it really hits us between the eyes in our day and age in which we live of media and the way media is today. That's unbelievable. You can get on the media today and you can find anything. Listen, you can get on the social media today and you can find anything that confirms any thought you have in your mind. They're going to be authority after authority, people presenting themselves as authority after authority to agree with what you are looking for. That's incredible. It's incredible. Where are the days when you could, boy, talking about the good old days, where are the days when you could get up and you could just enjoy life uh, in your own local area, just enjoy God's creation, go to school, come home, uh, and, and not be bombarded with every idea that's out there in the world today. Boy, just get on social media and, and you can get anything. Well, I don't know about you. I, 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 hope, that, I hope that really rings a bell. Now, I, I, uh, social media, I think, has been very valuable for us. I'm just merely talking about the fact that everybody wants to be an authority on everything. And it's very important for us to understand that God's Word is getting lost in all of this. And uh, we need to be aware of that fact. Now, let me conclude by giving to you some illustrations and some quick application here. When we talk about all of the spiritual conflicts among prophets and priests and princes and kings and national leadership and all of that, when we talk about all of that, we got some great illustrations in Jeremiah here in this book right here. In, for instance, in chapter 26, we have a great illustration of Jeremiah versus the priests and the prophets and the people in Jeremiah chapter 26. I, I introduced it in 23. Now let's look at a couple of quick illustrations. And I need to do that quickly, but I want you to have a sense of what this is all about. In chapter 26, verse 1, In the beginning of the reign of Jehoiakim, the son of Josiah, king of Judah, the word came of the Lord came to Isaiah, saying, Thus says the Lord, Stand in the court of the Lord's house, go to church, and speak to all the cities of Judah as well. Get out there and talk in the, in the, in, in the cities and, and, and when people come to worship in the Lord's house, make sure the word is getting out to everybody. Don't diminish it in any way. Do exactly what I say. Say exactly what I tell you to say. And maybe people will listen, turn from their evil way, and I'll relent from the calamity that I have planned to bring on them. Here's what you're supposed to say in verse 4. Say to them, thus says the Lord, if you will not listen to me to walk in my law which I have set before you, to heed the words of my servants, the prophets, these are the good prophets, whom I send to you, both rising up early and sending them, but you have not heeded, then I will make this house like Shiloh, and will make this city a curse to all the nations of the earth. Shiloh was the place where the, where the religious center was before it was taken to Jerusalem. And God destroyed Shiloh because of the disobedience of the people. But look what the reaction is in verse 7. So the priests and the prophets and all the people heard Jeremiah speaking these words in the house of the Lord. And they were upset. They disagreed with him. They said, why are we supposed to believe you? Maybe, maybe uh, we shouldn't believe you. Maybe what we think is really true. In verse 8, they seized Jeremiah 
and said to him, You shall surely die. Why? Verse 9. Why have you prophesied in the name of the Lord, saying, This house shall be like Shiloh, and this city shall be desolate without an inhabitant? And they gather together against Jeremiah in the house of the Lord. And it's, it's just a confusing situation. How do we know that you're telling the truth? We don't think it's going to be that way. So it's Jeremiah versus the priests and the prophets and the people of Israel. Until some elders come along. And when the elders look at this, go clear down to verse... I mean, you can see the confusion... Look, here's two verses that will give you the confusion. Look at verse 12. Then Jeremiah spoke to all the princes and all the people, saying, The Lord sent me to prophesy against this house and against this city with all the words that you have heard. Look at verse 16. So the princes and the people and the priests and the prophets said, This man does not deserve to die, for he has spoken to us in the name of the Lord our God. Now, see the confusion that has developed? How do, let's figure out what's right and what's wrong here. And so the elders decide to examine it carefully, and they go back to uh, Micah in the Old Testament. The book of Micah is an actual book that was written during the time of Isaiah. Isaiah and Micah were contemporaries. They served the Lord together. And the Bible says here that the elders said, Micah, the prophesied in the days of Hezekiah, the king of Israel, Judah, and spoke to all the people of Judah, saying, Thus says the Lord of hosts, Zion shall be plowed like a field, Jerusalem shall become heaps of ruins, and the mountain of the temple like the bare hills of the forest. Did Hezekiah, king of Judah, and all Judah ever put him to death? So you can see they're bantering back and forth and they're trying to put this all together. And the fortunate thing is that they're bringing God's word into play. When they bring in the book of Micah, Micah is confirming everything that Jeremiah is saying a hundred years later. But there's some application here, and I want you to see it before we go any further. There's some application here. Look at verse 19. Did he, that is, did Hezekiah not fear the Lord and seek the Lord's favor? You and I should not listen to spiritual leaders who do not fear the Lord. We shouldn't do it. We should not listen to spiritual leaders who seek, who do not seek the Lord's favor. We shouldn't do it. We shouldn't do it. We should listen to spiritual leaders who are interested to discover what the word of the Lord has to say about life. Not what our personal opinions lead us to conclude. Now, in chapter 26, there's a second illustration. I won't get into it specifically. But there was another prophet, Urijah, in verse 20. And the Bible says that Urijah was faithful in preaching the Lord. But this conflict continued and Jehoiakim, when he fled, when Urijah fled to Egypt for his life, King Jehoiakim sent men down there, got Urijah, brought him back, and had him killed. It was a horrible period of time in the history of Israel. Jeremiah versus the priests, prophets, the people, elders versus the people, Jehoiakim versus the spiritual leaders. And so it's important for you and I to be careful 
that we follow the word of God which is like fire and like a hammer that breaks the rock into pieces. There's another illustration. I think we're going to get this taken care of uh, at, uh, at, uh, at the time that we have designated for this. But verse 28 is another illustration of what we're talking about here. Let's read the first couple of verses. And it happened in the same year at the beginning of the reign of Zedekiah, king of Judah, in the fourth year and in the fifth month, that Hananiah, the son of Azur, the prophet, who was from Gibeon, spoke to me in the house of the Lord in the presence of the priests and all the people, saying, Thus speaks the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, saying, I have broken the yoke of the king of Babylon within two full years I will bring back to this place all the vessels of the Lord's house, etc., etc., etc. And Nebuchadnezzar is going to let everybody go. And in two years, this whole thing will be over, and we don't have to worry about being in exile. The problem is, Jeremiah was prophesying that this captivity that the Israelites were going to be in was going to take 70 years. So who do we listen to? Hananiah, who says two years it'll be all over, or 70 years before it's all over. You see, it's Jeremiah now versus Hananiah, the prophet. And in verses 1 through 17, we have this bantering back and forth. A good thing that you might want to do is you might want to look at what Hananiah says, then you want to look at what Jeremiah says, then you want to look at Hananiah says, and Jeremiah and here's the frustration in all this. At one point, Jeremiah says, well, you know what? The Bible teaches that if you make a prophecy and it comes true, then okay. But if you make a prophecy and it doesn't come true, then we're not to listen to you. The problem is that a lot of times a prophecy isn't going to come true when you and I want it to come true. And so we're still in limbo, waiting to see what happens. That's what's difficult about this many, many times. But interestingly enough, interestingly enough, God takes matters into his own hands and in all this bantering back and forth between Jeremiah and Hananiah to try to get the truth out, the Bible says that Hananiah the prophet died the same year in the seventh month in verse 17 as a false prophet. Then we have another illustration. We have an illustration. Jeremiah writes letters to the captives in, verse 20, in chapter 29. You may have that as a heading in your Bible. He writes a letter to the captives and he says, Listen, you're going to Babylon. You're going to be there for a while. Make sure you buy homes and make sure you plant gardens and you establish businesses and you live there because it's going to be 70 years before you come back. And then there's another prophet in verse 24 who after Jeremiah writes this letters, God has to say to Jeremiah in verse 24, you shall also speak to Shemaiah the, the Nehelamite, saying, Thus speaks the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, saying, You have sent letters in your name to all the people who are at Jerusalem. He lists the people that he sent the letter to, and he lists the reasons why he sent the letter. Look at verse 26. The Lord says, here's what you said in your letter. The Lord has made you priest instead of Jehoiada. You're claiming that you're the new priest. You're claiming that everybody should listen to you. You're claiming that you're authority. You're claiming that in the house of the Lord, you're the one in charge. 
and every man who is demented and considers himself a prophet, that you should put him in prison and in the stocks. And then here's the punchline in verse 27. Now therefore, why have you not rebuked Jeremiah and who made himself a prophet to you? In other words, he's writing letters back to Jerusalem. He's saying, listen, why are you listening to this guy like Jeremiah? You should have him in jail by now. He's not an authority. He don't know what he's talking about. You see how confusing this has got to be for the people of Israel. And all of these voices and all of these conflicting ideas and all of these conflicting opinions as to what God wants us to do. It's difficult. It's right in the middle of our daily Bible reading this week, so I couldn't resist bringing it to your attention. But I want to close now. We're going to do it on time. Jeremiah chapter 26. Go back to Jeremiah chapter 26. We have lots of little applications that are scattered throughout here. But I want to go back to Jeremiah chapter 26 verse 19. And I want to remind ourselves of what we said by way of application in 19. Hezekiah was right. Hezekiah confirms what Jeremiah says. Jeremiah is right. Shemaiah doesn't know what he's talking about. Hananiah doesn't know what he's talking about. Uriah was right. You killed him. Micah was right. And here's the thing. Did he not fear the Lord and seek the Lord's favor? Let me, as soon as I read that, I said to myself, doesn't Proverbs say many times that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge? Yes or no? Yes. Everybody together. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Now, I'm going to throw something out there that's going to make you think all week, going to make you wonder all week, and I hope it's not going to make you go to look for a thousand opinions on what people think about this. Now, really, I'm trying to... I'm trying to to help us to grow, grow in our faith in the midst of all of this, okay? But, if you read Jeremiah, you're going to come to this conclusion that the only way to get out from under God's judgment, whether it be a pandemic, whether it be a famine, or whether it be the sword, those big three are here all the time, the only way to get out from under a pestilence, we'll say, particularly, particularly in this case. The only way the Lord is going to relent, you'll read it, you'll read it many times. The only way to get out from under it is to obey the Lord. The only way. Now that I throw you something to think about all week, how do we do that? What does God want us to do? Now, I'm not, I'm not saying anything about, you know, I want everybody to be safe. I want everybody to be safe. I fully support everybody who is being safe in all of this. And there's reasons to do that. Um, and the neat thing about it is worship is, I do more worship at home than I do here. I spend more time with the Lord at home than I do here. But the point is, 
how big of an issue is worship as far as this all is concerned? Jeremiah's. How big of an issue is worship? What part does it have to play in our obedience to the Lord? Now, having said that, think about it. I hope it will encourage you. I hope it will strengthen your faith. I hope you'll say, ah, oh, that's just, just what I need. Uh, Sean, was telling, Sean was telling us that there's a, there's a, super, there's a big church, a mega church in, in uh, Pittsburgh, where they, oh, when they open the church, should be 500 people there, and there were only six. Only six. Now, I'm, I'm, not saying, I'm not saying that to suggest that there weren't good reasons. We have, we, have, we, have, we have enough information from the medical community to make decisions that we feel are safe because we're responsible adults. And I fully support those decisions that we make. But my big question is, wow, where were all, were, were they in the live service that was, was being broadcasted? later that day or earlier in that morning, you have to admit, you have to admit that this problem that we're going through is either going to cause the church to grow or it's going to damage the church in a great way. One or the other. Amen? Isn't it true? Isn't it true? So let's, uh, let's understand what the Bible says, and let's make sure that we get our opinions. Now, I'm not talking about, I'm talking about spiritual opinions. Our spiritual opinions from what the scriptures teach and not what we come up with on our own. Lord, we thank you for your word. And we thank you, Lord, that in so many ways, when we get to the major prophets and the minor prophets, it's so practical. It deals with issues that we're dealing with. It deals with politics and religion, practical ways of life. And in there we have, the, we have the embryo of the seed of the gospel that's behind all of it. And Lord, we see Christ, we see your Son, and we see the hope that you give to us, and we see the plans and purposes that you have for us, and your plan and purpose for your people is always good, plan for peace, a plan for prosperity. And in Jesus' name, we pray, Lord, that you'd help us as a church to capture that in a, in a, in a, in a time when we are so discouraged and we're so concerned and apprehensive about the future. Lord, it couldn't be brighter for your people, those who love you and serve you and obey you. It couldn't be brighter. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. By the way, it's in the letter in, 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 in Jeremiah 29. We're going to read that famous passage of Scripture in your daily Bible reading. I know my plans that I have for you, addressing Israel and certainly applying to God's spiritual people. All right. Uh, let's all stand together and close the service. We're going to sing into my heart. If you don't know the Lord, will you come to the Lord? Will you say you know what, I've resisted for years, but I want to know my sins are forgiven. I trust in the work of Christ who paid the penalty for my sin. All right, let's, uh, let's sing it together as we close. All right? In
into my heart, into my heart, come into my heart, Lord Jesus, come in today, come in to stay, come into my heart, Lord Jesus. Let's pray together. Lord, we pray that your grace, your mercy, and your peace will rest and abide with us, that you would keep us safe, that you would keep us healthy. Lord, that you would help us to be a light to those around us. Father, that we would not be so isolated that we can't influence others with the truth of your word. We pray, Lord, that you'd make it happen. And we pray, Lord, that you would eradicate, we eradicate all of this stuff that's going on around us. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen.